This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code INCOMPARABLE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. The Incomparable. Number 243. April 2015. Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast, continuing our 90 hours of coverage of Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. I am Jason Snell. I'm joined by three people who are going to help me break down the second teaser trailer for Star Wars Episode 7, and uh, we promise to keep it under 10 hours. <laughs> Joining me to break it all down, uh, I wouldn't do it without him. It's John Syracuse. Hello. I'm ready again, Jason. How I know. many more of these things are they going to release? I, I know. I don't. Probably more. But I don't. I, don't, I, I thought the first one was it. That was. I felt like we had done everything. And then uh, are they going to make a movie too? Well, this is official teaser too, which means presumably there's also going to be a trailer. Wow. No. Yeah, that voice you heard coming to us live from a moving vehicle. It's Serenity Caldwell. Hello. Hello. I'm really excited to actually get to talk about a. Uh, about- about Star Wars, the new new Star Wars. Although I think hilariously, the first time I couldn't talk, it was because I was in a moving vehicle as well. Except this one, this time I have a, a, a mic, so I guess that makes it a little better. You refuse to be constrained by space and time this time. Correct. I am in my TARDIS car. Yes. So so uh, if if she sounds strange at, at at any point, that is why. But we'll we will make the best of it. Likewise, in the true spirit of flash casting, coming to us from a strange location on an iPhone from the Star Wars celebration itself, or at least nearby, it's uh it's our our roving Star Wars correspondent Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hello, Jason. Pleasure to be with you. It's uh it's good it's good to have you here. You got to you got to see this all in person today, didn't you? I did. It was pretty pretty freaking awesome, as Oscar Isaac might say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was that was quite the treat. Though I did have to come back then and rewatch the trailer a couple times on my iPad because I missed a lot of stuff with all the screaming. <laughs> I can understand that. That was my screaming, by the way. Just me. Listen to them all too. They're dying. <laughs> so uh, I I want to ask about the ground rules here. Um, I know that they mentioned a few tiny little tidbits in the panel today that aren't in the trailer. Uh, yeah. John, should we should we pretend that they didn't do that or what? I don't want to know those things. Okay. M- more more specifically, they they discussed the location of the desert planet that appears in the trailer. Arrakis. Yeah. Well. Dune. I mean, desert I, planet. I, I don't, they confirmed whether or whether or not or or not it's Tatooine. Do you care? I probably do. Is it instrumental to our conversation that this be revealed? Well, I'm willing I, to take one for the team, but I feel like, no, I don't well, want no, to No, other, otherwise, I, I get, what I'm going to say is we just should probably refer to it as that desert planet then, since it's indeterminate whether this is Tatooine or not from John's perspective, even though the rest of us know. So, all right, the desert planet, we will call it, because it's I mean, probably all desert, it, really. Last time we talked Sand about world. it in the first teaser, Sand we just world. assumed that it was. Yes. And, you know... We can continue to talk about it in that way if that makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. Well, they asked they they asked J.J. Abrams um, definitively if it is 
uh, Tatooine, and we got a definitive answer. So uh, rather than you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to spoil you on it. So I figure we should just say that everybody else knows the definitive answer, and we're just going to dance around it. We'll refer everybody else to the internet. Yes. If you still don't know, you can check the internet. Yeah. Much information is available on the internet. All right. So so. Um, Let's see. How do we do this on Thanksgiving morning? Uh, frame, frame by frame. I, I like uh, the fact that as soon as the trailer dropped, we got a lot of demand for many, many uh, hours of frame by frame analysis. So let's start at the beginning, which is uh, a, desert, a sandy desert planet with a, a vehicle streaking along. Is, who is riding it? We don't know. It could be Luke Skywalker on a land speeder. It could be Captain Kirk on his motorbike from Star Trek. <laughs> It looks like the refrigerator car from the first teaser. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I would agree with that. That it's Daisy Ridley riding the refrigerator car yeah. that we saw. That this is immediately following that when she takes off, right? Could be a water heater. Could be, Could be anything. Very fast Could be anything, really. Heater. Yeah, and the thing in the foreground, originally when I saw the trailer, very small, I misread it as like, again, thinking it's Tatooine. Uh, like one of those uh, moisture evaporators that had tipped over. But of course, on second viewing, I realized it's actually an X-Wing. It's, it took uh, me until the home viewing to realize that because the two replays in the in the main auditorium there, I was not focused on that at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when watching it on my iPad later, I was like, oh, that's totally an X-Wing. That's half buried in sand. An old-fashioned X-Wing. There are many uh, crashed vehicles in this trailer. Yeah, you might have missed the crashed X-Wing in the foreground owing to the fact that there is a crashed Star Destroyer <laughs> in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome the most beautiful matte painting when i watched this trailer with my son and i asked him what uh what things stood out to him or at our we talk we were talking about the star destroyer and he said well maybe in the battle at the end of return of the jedi some of the star destroyers crashed and i said to him well if they crashed they wouldn't have crashed on tatooine was that was in, uh, far away from where the battle was taking place but now but presumably there may have been other battles we don't right. know and i said well you know okay, there's this the Empire was defeated all over the galaxy in this battle, so who knows? Yeah. As we see from later in the trailer, some time has passed, so presumably there will be more battles. Also, just, more to, battles. just to throw it out there, the destruction of the Death Star could have rained down fiery death on the moon of Endor, transforming it into a desert planet. Yep. Mm, yep. Possible. Entirely possible. Rumors and speculation. <laughs> a lot of sad Ewoks. A lot of sad Ewok music. We had a whole forest. We were so excited that we won, and then all of our foliage was destroyed. Only the desert Ewoks survived. The villains of Episode the 7 are actually, are actually feral Ewoks. Well, those those are Jawas. The Jawas of the desert. <laughs> yeah. They have the same language. They both say Utini. Utini, that's true. Utini! That's, that's a good point. The, the um... I do think it's impressive looking at the uh, at the star, crash star destroyer that that uh, it must have been coming in fairly slow, right? Because otherwise it would have broken into a million pieces. So uh, somebody in the chat room just pointed out, "Good job, star destroyer pilot! You did kind of as good as we could expect." I yeah, guess it could have been like a long, slow slide, you yeah, know, or it could have actually kind of just landed and slowly sunk into the sands and fallen into disrepair. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe they this was a star destroyer that landed on this planet to refuel or something, and either got taken over or abandoned, and it's just yeah, hunk of hunk of abandoned metal. I was going to say the thing that stood out to me about it was that, that might we only be really cool for a planet. 
we only ever get Star Destroyers really in space, um, where the relative scale is very different. Even in the first movie, where we get the scale against the spaceship, uh, against the Tana V4, we get, you know, only in relative to, like, other objects that might be in space. So seeing it relative to, like, the ground is actually makes it, to my mind, that much more impressive how large it is. Yeah, it's behind big sand dunes. Very yeah. large sand dunes. Maybe it's really close to us. I don't know. Like, well, there's some heat, some haze, right? That there is that, some haze to get the to get the the distance right. They, there's no haze to the X-wing, but there's a lot of haze back behind to the Star Destroyer. Can we just talk for a second about how beautiful? I'm sure it's a CGI matte painting, but just how gorgeous that initial shot is. Because I want that for my desktop, and I haven't wanted a Star Wars photo for my desktop probably since I got my Ralph Macquarie, like my those paintings but that initial opening image is just so evocative of star wars it makes me so happy and it's evocative of an after star wars like because yes. that's what the, the series yeah. is about like if you think about you know the prequels or whatever right and then you've got the, the the main star wars movies and those are about a battle and things are dirty in the future but there's a lot of battle but you don't get a lot of aftermath because it's kind of one big story about a war and this is so clearly a sign of, like, it's the Reconstruction era. Like, after war, oh, people are still around, but a bunch of crap is broken, and it's hanging around to remind you, oh, yeah, there was a war. It was a good choice of words, John, because I believe they announced that the first novel, that, like, sort of the new novel that's rebooting the, you know, Star Wars books is called Aftermath. Yeah, it's Chuck Wendig. Yep. So, yeah, I, a fallout seems to be sort of the theme here, right? Like, that there's, you know, as John is saying, like, the this was in the same way that this is a universe that has always been used and weathered, you know, there is an element of it's going to continue to be so. And, and J.J. Abrams did stress that point, like, that, you know, in terms of looking at the universe, one of the things he loved about the original movies was how they looked so weathered and lived in, um, and his love for practical effects, which got him a lot of applause from the audience there. Uh, what else, any, anything else we want to talk about, about the, um, about the, this, this shot, the, uh, the, uh, it, it is, I mean, I did have that Captain Kirk moment because there is a similar shot in JJ Abrams, uh, 2009 Star Trek and, uh, which is fine. I, I like that the, the refrigerator car is zipping along and we've got this, this sense of fallout that there was a big war between the empire and the, and the rebel Alliance. And, you know, it war is messy and there's, there's potentially just junk laying around from when the war was over. And the shot you're thinking of is is them assembling the Enterprise uh, on Earth. Yeah, well, there, there's that there's that whole se- sequence that's his like Luke Skywalker moment in Star Trek 2009 when when yeah. when uh, when he's riding his motorcycle and there's the dust trail and then he pulls up and sees the Enterprise yep. there. Yeah. Although I think the composition here, I really enjoyed the pan reveal because it does like, okay, we're focusing on this little thing that's flying across there. And then, okay, there's a thing in the view. Okay, it's the X-Wing. Okay, there's a giant Star Destroyer there. So it's really, I think it's a beautiful shot just in its kinetic motion too, as we sort of gradually reveal this whole scenery. Yeah, the the dune that's right next to the Star Destroyer is the same shade as the Star Destroyer. So it just looks like the dunes are slowly changing color. And then the dune has like a big craggly spot and like that. That's no dune. It's a spaceship. Yeah, got it. Uh, all right, let's move on. What 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 have we here? Things go black. We hear Luke Skywalker say, "The Force yes. is strong in 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 my family. My father has it." And we see dun 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 a burned out, wrecked Darth Vader mask. I think this thing grabbed Pete. 
was that you know seeing it a couple times again rewatching it on the smaller screen it's like a pistol there's like a presentation thing going on here oh yeah 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 it's being presented you said on a pedestal sorry um it's a it's a presentation thing that that uh, we're 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 you know it's a it's like a crane shot or something or it's or it's being yeah something it's, it's being presented yeah like, right, it's not that it was yeah. dug up it was like it's it's being stored somewhere I feel like on like almost like a museum piece yeah. yeah so my question is did they you know did they burn it and then dig it out of the fire and now it's it's made of tough stuff <laughs> true I mean I don't know if it's even on a pedestal or if we're looking kind of like secret. Luke Skywalker cave with momentum with mementos and he just happens to have shaped himself a, a steel pedestal for uh, for the mementos of his life it could just be a small table like you can't really tell <laughs> an end table that looks great on an end table right it's a it's a, it's a conversation starter yeah it really, really. ties yeah. the room together <laughs> So tell me about the mask. Well, my dad. Everybody has their chachis. My, my dad wore wore this mask when he killed a lot of people, and he died in it. He wanted to rule the galaxy with me, his father and son. That didn't work out, but in the end, we we patched things up. We burned his body, and uh, then when that the fire went out, we retrieved the burn mask. I think it's more likely that this is evil people retrieved it. As right, a totem right. of the dark side of the force, in some way, it is, an, this is another it is. sign of uh, of your crazy planet theory of it being Endor uh, <laughs> being correct. You know, it is a it is a very evil looking end table. So it was from the dark side, IKEA, not the light. Side. <laughs> Those instructions are really inscrutable, and they always make you they take out one screw. Mm-hmm. I no, they normally IKEA does that too. I wondered if this was like given. You know, we saw this shot in conjunction with Luke's voiceover. Like, I also had the impression that, like, maybe Luke was holding on to this for some reason. We hear Luke Skywalker, and he's saying something that's not new. <laughs> it also keys us into the fact that I feel like the events of the these movies are tied so strongly to the events of the previous movie. Like, it's not just, you know, we saw a lot of new characters, obviously, in the first teaser, and we see a lot here. Um, but it also implies, you know, there's a really close eye to the the sort of the Skywalker family, right? Like mm-hmm. that is still very active here, right? We're not leaving all that behind and moving on just to focus on like entirely new characters. Yeah, the the suggestion here is very strong that by quoting this dialogue, what Luke is doing is talking to somebody in his family who is strong with the Force. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The question Agreed. is probably: Is it his family or is it Leia's family? But I'm I'm inclined to believe it's Luke's. Yeah, like that was the other question I discussed with my son. Who is he talking to when he says that? Because he's talking to somebody, presumably who. Uh, and and then uh, uh, my son said, "Well, it's obvi- it's obviously Luke's child." And I said, "Well, Luke's child with who? Who's the mother?" And he hadn't thought of that, and he didn't really have an answer. And I I don't know either because I don't know anything about the Could- movie. But it's it sounds like he's giving his his sort of you know. Now it's my now it's the time when you learn about the facts of life. One of the mm-hmm. facts is you probably got the force. So well, I mean, like, thirty years on, thirty years on, he probably might met somebody nice and settled down and had a kid. So you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity in there for him to have a kid. Well, Luke and Leia are brother and sister. So Luke's family, we can't say Luke's family and Leia's family. They're the same family. They're right. all well, you they're know all what I mean? the like immediate family. family. Like are the, are these so Leia's children, children with Leia's some children? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting to me because obviously the entire EU has been thrown out. Um, officially and is not canon anymore. But, you know, as someone who deeply, deeply read and, and loved the EU, there are, you know, Leia's, Leia's family played a pretty big role in that. And, 
in terms of the romances we have seen in the original trilogy, it's not out of it's not out of the question that we might be talking about Leia's daughter or son. Um, but I I do feel like it's an interesting choice to have Luke deliver it. But then again, Luke's the Jedi Master, so I don't know. I'm 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 so conflicted. So many conflicting emotions. Yes, I mean we, we don't see him here either, but I you know I think we, we probably a will get a. We got to save well, that get, for the trailer. Yeah. That's a question. <laughs> that's an open question. Let me tell you about one of our sponsors for this week's incomparable. It's MailRoute. MailRoute. Imagine a world without spam, viruses, or bounced email. Picture, visualize opening your email and seeing only the mail that you want and need to receive. MailRoute can do this for you. They can make this a daily reality. You don't have to maintain any hardware or software. MailRoute does it all up in the cloud. It receives your mail. It consumes it. It sorts it. It analyzes it. And then it turns around and delivers to your mail server, to your mailbox, only the clean email. The junk never even reaches your server. It's easy to set up. It's reliable, trusted by the largest universities and corporations. I've been using it for a couple of years. Super reliable. Works great. If you're a desktop user like me, you'll find that the MailRoute interface is simple and effective. And if you are in charge of a mail server, you're an email administrator or an IT professional, they've built all of their tools with you in mind. There's an API for easy account management. There's support for LDAP and Active Directory, TLS, mail bagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from the people who handle your mail. So start a risk-free trial. You can do it with no credit card at all. You just sign up. You change your domain's MX records so that they're pointing at mail route servers for all of the mail that you receive. Your mailbox and hardware, boom, completely protected. It's so simple and effective. There's no good reason not to give it a try. See for yourself what mail route can do for you. And all listeners to The Incomparable can receive 10% off for the lifetime of your account by going to mailroute.net slash incomparable right now. Thank you so much to MailRoute for supporting the incomparable so we move to the next scene and it is a fiery something there's some some embers coming off of a, uh, off of something fiery r2d2 is sitting looking at the fiery thing and a hooded figure with a metal hand places it on r2d2 could this be luke skywalker i think that's I the implication so. could be anybody so. could be anybody i am i choose to believe 99% that it is Luke Skywalker because I love the idea of Luke and R2 being the, you know, again, wizened old Jedi. Luke has become a recluse of sorts and is hanging out with his droid buddy in the middle of a swamp, essentially. But why, why doesn't he have, why does he have a metal hand? That's what I well, want to know. Like the skin fell off over the years. He always had a metal hand. It's just, yeah, right, but- if he... If you he think became it's a recluse, well, he seems like if he's not. He became a recluse, right? Like R two looks a little be... beat up too, right? Yeah. If he decided to run away from the world for whatever reason, uh, he wouldn't exactly have access to back to tanks well, and fancy medical droids. Of course, the creepy, internet, you know, sort of suggestion there also is that it, it, he starts to also look a lot more like Anakin, you know, with the creepy metal hand. So there's a you know evoking a certain amount of Darth Vader in it, as we've just seen in the previous shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, the reason I thought it wasn't Luke is because his arm looks skinny. Yeah, he does look skinny. <laughs> That's basically I what agree. it comes down to, that, that it looks like a 18 to 24-year-old, not like, uh, uh, you know, it looks like a young, man, a young man's arm, and you can't tell from the hand. Yeah, there's something about the hood, dark hood and light sleeve mismatch, too, I also thought was a little odd. If you want to get nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> Why stop now? Well, I mean, the dark hood symbolizes well, the dark side of the force. more like Obi-Wan, <laughs> yeah. right? Dark, dark cloak, light shirt. 
It's the mixture of the two. I, I don't know. Fashions, I, I, fashions could have changed in 30 years. I don't know. I like the idea that potentially Luke, uh, you know, isn't wearing the – he's embraced his robot armness and is not worried about it. It's just more it. a sign of he's disrepair. He's closer to his father. If if that if that is Luke, it was just kind of like you know, like I said, like that he's. I mean, look at his shirt's dirty. Everything's dirty. It's just like, well, the skin started to fall off after a while, and I didn't want to go back into Mos Eisley or wherever to get it fixed. And so, living out in the woods for this many years, guess what? All the skin is gone, and and you can see my robot hand. Maybe. Certainly possible. But like I said, that arm looks skinny to me, and like he looks like kind of like he's doing like a Vulcan mind meld with with R two <laughs> there. He's supposed to be either patting him gently, but it's like, uh, he, is he going to fix something inside his brain magically? <laughs> Which made me wonder if there was like a if it could be like a villain trying to get information out of R two. That was right. sort of the thing I felt like the first time I saw it because I agree it didn't look the the move looked a little threatening. <laughs> right, and so he's by a campfire, I guess something that gives off embers. At first, I thought he might have been a lava planet, but I'm like, no, those the lava doesn't give off embers. I don't think. Lava's so 2000s, John. I know. I'm just trying to, you know, identify the planet. It's yeah, kinda... well, it's a, fi- it's a fire of some kind, whether it's a campfire or not. I can't see any s'mores there, but... It does not look like a s'more type of campfire. I, I'm sad that I can't rewatch it right this second because of the aforementioned driving. Because what I saw, I mean, I watched this trailer probably 15 times this afternoon. Uh, maybe more. Uh, and it, it seemed very sweet, like very much like a sweet gesture to me, not a sinister gesture. Uh, but maybe maybe I just can't see anything involving R2 as a sinister scene. But uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll have to go back and rewatch it now. I think the trailer implies that this is Luke, but it might not be. But I think the trailer is absolutely trying to imply it. Right. When right, we mention yeah. my father, we see Darth Vader. When we, when we mention, mention me, we see this hand. When we right. mention the sister, we see what looks like a woman handing a lightsaber to somebody in the next scene. Right? Uh, handing over a lightsaber. Okay, so I have a I have an issue, which is if this looks to my eyes to be Anakin's original lightsaber and the one Luke had in Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, which we last saw tumbling into the gas clouds of Bespin or lost somewhere last year. Thing, so somebody went down and got it. I guess they have uh, find my lightsaber on these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the force is strong with that lightsaber. No, I am. I am ninety nine point five percent sure that, that is, in fact, uh, Luke Sky uh, Anakin's original lightsaber and Luke's lightsaber for A New Hope. Yeah, it's uh, either that one or one. Yeah, or it's, yeah, or it's the same model. Or is it, it is identical, but all lightsabers are not. All lightsabers are unique in theory, um, according to you know. Again. EU. So I guess it could all, you know, maybe they just make identical lightsabers now? No, no, that's the one. I mean, I don't think they would, there's no reason they would make an identical prop unless it was like rebuilt for nostalgia reasons. It does look pretty shiny, but no, that's the one. Having built both that lightsaber and Darth Vader's lightsaber out of Lego, I spent a while studying them and I'm pretty sure that's... So then the question becomes, of course, why? Why is that lightsaber here and why why is a female hand handing it apparently to another female Hand. So the question is, like, is either one of those sets of hands Carrie Fisher? I can't really tell. Uh, I don't think the one handing it off is Carrie Fisher. The one receiving it might be, but it's hard to say. That seems like the suggestion, again, based on the framing and based on the voiceover. But, you know, we've been it's, it's unclear, right? They deliberately are not. She's wearing a ring of some sort. They deliberately are not, like, you know, panning up to her face, obviously. So we're left with supposition. All right. Anything more to say about handing over a lightsaber? 
Well, there's a significance of it, too, and I won't go in again to details, you know, minor as they may be mentioned uh, during the panel today, but, like, it does look as though, you know, like, something is being, you know, turned over almost like it was found, maybe? I don't know. Maybe it was on an, maybe it was on an end table Wait, next to Darth Vader's foot. helmet. Interesting. And Luke Skywalker's private, uh, private treasure chest of strange oddities. Now, I, you know, the one thing I will say that really got me excited is those are definitely female hands. And there's something really exciting about seeing women hands and lightsabers because that's not we really haven't seen female Jedi or aside from, you know, in animation. So the promise of potential female Jedi gets me very excited. They were in the prequels dying the terrible prequels. deaths, but yeah. yes. <laughs> not yeah. much it's not best, much to do. Best not to think about it. Yeah. I'm I'm excluding the prequels because to me, honestly, I'm I'm ready to forget that they haven't. We've done those podcasts. It also looks like there might be droids in the background there, but it's kind of hard to tell. Look, sir. Droids. Droids. Soft focus. Yeah, and like, so even though we can't see the people's faces, you get the impression that the person who is receiving the lightsaber is looking down at it. Like, you know. There is an angle there. They're not just handing it to each other. It's like, oh, I found this on the end table. Put it away. Like, it's, you know, like like Dan said, it's like a handoff of, like, there is whoever wanted you to have this or we found this or whatever, you know. Well, and it's also it's sort of panning up like this is a, a, a smaller person giving it to a much taller person. So although, again, the context of the trailer would have you believe this is Princess Leia handing her father's lightsaber to the next generation, it could very easily be something completely different. And I'll point out that... Um, uh, although it looks it looks like these are these are a women's hands potentially uh Gwendolyn Christie is in this movie and she's tall and yeah. maybe that's her receiving it cuz the person receiving it is much taller than the person giving it uh, i was thinking the person receiving it was leia and and the, well, the, person, that could be. Give, the person giving it was it's, seated yeah, or on a step below the person receiving it could be seated a small as well person. which is what i thought yeah could yeah. be i agreed with the person receiving it being leia there is a lot of focus also on the um, obviously, again, we're focused on the lightsaber here. And our action sort of moves with that. So once again, the weight is given to an object rather than to a character necessarily. Wait, you're saying that the droid is an object and not a character? I'm saying that it's a. It is not a person. It is a. You know, it is a. Oh. It's not a. It's not a flesh and blood person. Oh yeah, the, the handing yeah. off does look like it's an alien too. By the way, in one yeah. frame, you can see that 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 looks like it's an orange alien with a funny face that's just suntan on on that unnamed, on desert, unnamed planet. desert planet right that hand looks a weird too yeah like there's too many knuckles <laughs> your hands will look like that too someday Dan. <laughs> we did we did find Young my people. lightsaber in the bespin uh, <laughs> floating zone and our submarine came back with this thing um okay and then uh you have that power too this christmas boom and we get uh lightsabers or not lightsabers x-wings again zooming across the water although a very different shot this time from the one that we saw in the first teaser where we were kind of watching them from the side and now we're right in front of them and that was the morning this is after the successful yeah. mission because equally, they seem happy equally beautiful yeah, I love them them kicking up water. Although, ha- imagine you're like out fishing one day, and you're just like do 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 fishing. The fish. And then the and then suddenly, X wing X wing blue those stupid X wing blue angels always flying. Damn over. kids! Yeah, yeah, nice nice wakes there. It's a great another great sort of like movement shot. Again, you know, we talked about this in the first podcast about the trailers, you know, but so many space battles, of course, in the original trilogy taking place in you know, in the blackness of space because it's a lot easier to match shots against them. And so seeing X-Wings flying through the atmosphere is still quite a treat. Yeah. Eight. It's all, it's eight. 
X-Wings in this shot, by my count. That seems about right. And uh, they're making trouble and upsetting the fish. And uh, Oscar Isaac is... There might be a ninth back there. ...is so. going, woohoo! He seems pretty happy. But not yippee. That's not what he's saying. Oh. <laughs> but we still have our red-black sort of, uh, you know, helmet motif going on with a recognizable rebel symbol. Some orabesh on his little pilot's jacket there. But, like, you know, so much, again, like, so much of what we saw seems so, you know, pegged directly to the original trilogy. So you guys are bigger ship nerds than I am. How much different is are these models of X-Wing from our Return of the Jedi? They have split engines. Like, the engines are semicircles rather than full circles, which they, t- I believe, are in the original trilogy so like uh, they look and we talked about this a little bit on the first podcast they, they look a little bit more like the um ralph mcquarrie concept art which i know they drew heavily from they also have split wings so unlike a regular x-wing where when the wings are closed you see two wings a top wing like a top piece of bread and a bottom wing like a bottom piece of bread in this situation on these x-wings when they close one part of the ring is the front half of the wing and one part is the back half but it's one layer thick mm, yeah okay yeah it's easier to see that after the in like the flyover i like the um super 70s uh plastic box on oscar isaac's uh, chest yeah. <laughs> there with the big plastic buttons yes. it's like a like a, a nintendo cartridge has been attached to its chest i enjoy yeah. that it actually doesn't do anything even in the Star Wars universe. It's just there for, like, continuity. He's got the yeah. targeting computer in the back. He's got plastic tubes, like, the whole nine yards. Yeah. You gotta do I love it. how... I, I know I didn't get to talk in the first trailer thing, so I just have to sh- make a brief shout-out for just how real this movie looks. Um, and I know that, that was one of J.J. Abrams' big goals, is to, you know, sort of return us to the the tangible aspect of the Star Wars universe. And every single shot I see, including, of course, droids, which I'm sure we will talk about later on, um, just get me so... It fills me with a joy for Star Wars that I really haven't had in a long time uh, because the prequels felt so plasticky, right? They didn't... It didn't feel like you could walk into that world anywhere. Um, Whereas I feel like... This, this version of Star Wars, J.J. Abrams' Star Wars, feels so lived in. And it feels uh, outdoorsy more. Like, it doesn't feel soundstage Like, a lot yeah. of the prequels, I mean, if you could do it in a soundstage and you can make it look outdoors, you win. Like, I don't care if you actually do it on location, but you have to, like, if it looks, if I look at it and say, that's a soundstage with green screens, you failed. And so much of... of I like prequels. that you said outdoorsy, John, after we talked to him for a while about the bonfire scene there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it well, looks yeah, like they're camping. I mean, it's the camping I, like, version that, of Star Wars. You know, if that's on a soundstage, I don't care as long as I think it's outside. But so much of the prequels was like it did not look like it was outside. The lighting was off. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you could see matte lines or green screen or anything, but you could just tell like that's clearly not, uh, you know, they don't. I, you have not convinced me that they're outdoors, even though you're trying to tell me they're outdoors. You've not convinced me that what's outside the window is outdoors. Right. It's too shiny. It's the Matrix. You know? Right, it's all the lighting wasn't there yet, and as Ren said, you know, JJ Abrams talked a little bit today about like wanting everything to look like, you know, he, and he specifically mentioned that that very fact, like the lighting looks good here. He, he did a very good job of talking about what he liked about the original without saying explicitly this is what went wrong with the prequels, yeah. but it right. felt very much like that was the guy, exactly what he was saying. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to do, like when you have, you know, the, fine the, line. You're you have an indoor scene. 
and there's a window, and outside the window is outdoors. And it's not really an important part of the scene, but if you don't make the outside of the window look like the actual outdoors, the whole thing feels claustrophobic, and you feel like you feel like you're just in like a you know the Truman Show where it's like there's a movie showing outside your window, and really you're inside deep inside some big you know it just feels too confined. It's funny to me because I feel I still feel like you know looking back the prequels momentarily, the only thing that feels real about the prequels to me are some of the palace scenes on Naboo and some of the summer cottage on Naboo yeah. because that actually was shot on location and shot outdoors and featured real buildings. Well, the tat- some of the Tatooine stuff in, in episode one, especially too. And, and, and like, oh, yeah, even when the, if they had less challenging scenarios, like for example, I think the entire pod race, which of course happens nowhere, but in a computer for the most part, or with tiny models that are shot on a set, that, for the most part, feels like it's outdoors. Uh, right. Mo- you know, but, like, you think of a, a much easier scene where, like, well, we're going to have these people sitting on a couch in Coruscant, and they're on a balcony or there's a big open oh, window. You, you can I get away. Like... Or going up in an escalator or an elevator. Or, you, you uh... can... Yeah, I, I, I didn't feel like any of the things out the windows were really there. I felt like it was a movie playing behind them, and it just it kills it. You can get away within the pod for racing because it's fast and blurry. And it's well and lit. It's... it's very bright. Right. It's bright well lighting. lit. It's... You know. And it's nothing like anything that's re- like we all can identify. We've all seen people sitting on a couch. Very few of us have seen actual pod races. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, like it's I think it's easier to sell a desert and bright sunlight than it is to sell a moody twilight sitting behind people. Because then you have to match the lighting of like, well, if it was moody twilight outside on Coruscant, how would the light look on people's faces indoors? And then just there's a slight mismatch. And that's all it takes. So um, I also wanted to point out that the I, I like I like the outdoorsy stuff. J.J. Uh, Abrams said today, not a spoiler, but that they are looking at an assembly you know, of the whole movie without the without the CGI. And he said the great thing about it is you know what's going on, <laughs> and that's because yes. there's so yeah. much real stuff in it. And again, the implication there is if you're shooting on a virtual set, all you have is people in front of green screen, and you don't know what you're seeing. And that They're they built real sets, it's like playing charades. Right, yeah. your actors don't have anything to react to. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why, like in Lord of the Rings, they had Andy Serkis there wearing the little funny jumpsuit with the ping pong balls, even though they were going to totally erase him. In that's the... just what he wears, John. Jeez. <laughs> that's his uh, He wasn't wearing the ping pong balls, but anyway, wearing the jumpsuit. And it's like, why is he even in this scene? It's to give them something to act off of. To say, roughly, it's going to look like this guy. Yeah, speaking of things to act off, can we talk about BB-8 yet? No. No, not yet. Nope, we don't get we don't, we we're, we're going to go in order here. So, hold on. Next scene, next scene we have a uh we have apparently our villain um and this and this villain is is this is our friend with the uh with the lightsaber with the two little Oops. guard lightsabers coming off of it. The villain our villain is wearing a uh, a dark cloak but not white a white shirt and has uh, a a masky mask on and is swiping is swiping very rapidly, along with sparks. By the way, <laughs> swiping. Uh, oh, a bonfire too. There's a bonfire, a stormtrooper, and a uh, bonfire, a stormtrooper, and, and and a tent and a, a lightsaber. I like when you said swiping very vigorously, Jason, because you made it sound like he was using an iPhone. Yeah, swipe. To, he's trying to <laughs> unlock his lightsaber with all these masks, and you know, like they have hooded figures who are also wearing masks that look kind of robotic and wearing shiny gloves. They're getting a big Destiny vibe off this guy. <laughs> He's Hunter class, obviously. No, Warlock, please. Oh, no, look at the hood. Oh, look at the mask. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Anyway, he's got got a lightsaber. 
and he's hitting something and he seems upset and by the way this is the same bonfire type scene because you've got the embers yeah and what looks like a tp in the background and a stormtrooper behind him so it looks like kind of the same setting where we just saw r2 and the weird creepy hand yeah maybe there's a lot of bonfires theorizing on r2 could be uh, that is a very short scene. It's followed immediately by a shot of Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and BB-9 <laughs> running eight, slash eight, roll eight, or BB-8. Eight, eight. BB-6. BB-9 is in the sequel. BB-4. Yeah. BB-King. BB King, BB King, <laughs> Daisy Ridley, <laughs> and John Boyega are <laughs> all running. Just point out that every single shot of John Boyega we have in this trailer and the last trailer, he's he upset always and sweaty. freaks the hell out. Yeah, yeah he's, it seems like a bad day for happy. him so far. I kind of love is that. John he's like, the C-3PO of this movie. I, I just like that, happen. you know, we're, we're, this is a, uh, you know, we, it's not giving anything away saying that he is a main character, you know, like, and he's, cause he's been featured very heavily in all of this. Yeah, it's the first um, face we see in the first teaser. Right. And, and I like to the, think the fact that like, we're all used to having characters who are hyper competent and great everything. He just seems like he's freaked out all yeah. the time, yeah, which he, I really enjoy. He's, he's sweaty. He's put upon, he's scared. He's running away from explosions. Just like, you know, he should not get out of bed that morning. Yeah. In this, so in this scene, having a, a bad week. She's got a uh, a stick of some kind. Uh, he's he's just yeah. running with a leather jacket, and and BB-8 is rolling himself away as a from a, an explosion that keeps getting worse because a Tie Fighter, a single Tie Fighter, is uh, strafing wherever they're running away from on the Sandy and, Planet. And, and the Tie Fighter, as usual, has lousy aim. Yeah, <laughs> shooting well, behind it, them. It was unless it's shooting at, shooting at, at the building. yeah, it's shooting at the building they're running out of. If it's shooting at them, then it's got really bad aim. Shooting at that building, maybe the TIE fighter like pilots have gotten an upgrade in the last 30 years. Yeah, and you see something that like, it looks like a bunch of discs buried in the background. I know it's not supposed to be, but it looks Power like generator. the shield generator from yeah. Empire. Yeah. It's just a, a hunk of junk buried in the ground. And I there's think. some other people off to the left also running away from this exploding well, building. Smart. smart well, maybe moves. the building, yeah. The building has been recently evacuated because explosions. Because TIE fighters are coming to blow it up. Yes. Because um, we yeah. really wanted to make our adorable little ball droid roll away yeah. from explosions yeah and see now this is something where r2 unless he uses his little prequel jetpacks like he's not going to be able to keep up with people running away from an explosion but the ball droid no problem sand ball droid handle sand bb8 handle sand That's just true. fine jump away yeah. also in in line of him being upset about things about halfway through this little clip uh when the the latest uh firing from the tie fighter smacks and there's a second explosion he does an extra scream <laughs> mid-scream he goes ah! <laughs> yeah he, he's definitely having a rough day bad day yeah and the woman running see she's uh you know seems much more together i don't have time i for mean she's, she's carrying the big bass clarinet or whatever she's got in yeah. her hand and <laughs> she's just running away with the Paint purpose stick. but but so not does it look like out. a Tuscan Raider staff to you? Because it looks mm-hmm. like a Tuscan Raider staff to me. Not, mm, not really. Wait, those are curved on the end. They almost have like an acorn-like cap usually. Right, yeah. These look I like say that deco. because I saw, I saw a plastic yeah. one. <laughs> I was going to say, geez, Dan, what a nerd. Why don't you go to the Star oh, yeah. Wars convention or something? <laughs> and she, by the way, she is wearing a total Luke Skywalker-y Tatooine A New Hope outfit here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's down to the, the wraps. Yeah, it's the long flowing. She, you know, she, she has a oh, light. She has a light colored sleeve. That's all I'm saying. The, the only difference is they wanted to show a little bit more skin, so she's her sleeves don't connect all the way up to the you know the inner part. So it's a little bit That's more true. revealing on her than it was on Luke. It's not as bad as planet. Natalie Portman's terrible outfit from. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's not. Yeah. 
That's this could, this could be a stylistic choice. Was that a right. pun? Terrible? Could it get turned oh, away? That was good. Oh, boy. Time for a brief break to tell you about one of our sponsors. The Incomparable is sponsored this week by Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the very wealthiest of investors for just one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7. It automatically rebalances your portfolio, reinvests your dividends, and works to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is also overseen by a team of investment experts. These are the same experts who launched the index fund revolution and who've written some of the most important books in finance. In case you're not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion in client assets and has saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Visit Wealthfront.com Snell to get your first $10,000 managed for free. All right, get ready. Here comes the disclaimer. Wealthfront Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. Yep, nub, utini. Thank you to Wealthfront. Now back to the show. BB BB8 uh Ren is in this shot so if you want to talk about about it yeah. you can do that now. Okay. Well, not not to spoil anything for John, but I think he knows this already. It's a physical prop. Yes. Yeah, the, they said that during the first trailer. They had it on rolling around on stage yes. today. I do have some pictures of it rolling around on stage today. Pretty crazy. I have copious video because oh my gosh, if they don't figure out a way to market him into the most adorable Christmas toy, I will cry. I I, I think Star Wars has got your marketing uh, taken yeah. care of. Cable Sasser was asking about that on Twitter today at, about the possible way it could work, and eventually through his tweets, I saw that like there's some toy company that Disney it's Firo. that yeah that that has yeah. pioneered the technology to make toys like this, and that they use that same thing to make the prop. I still say when I see the one in, in the original teaser where it's bouncing along real fast with the thing bouncing on it. Oh yeah, it still looks a little bit CG-ish to me, but like the physical one, it's kind of like. Where, you know, in the original movies, they had multiple R2s, some remote control, some that, that Kenny Baker was in and everything. Like, I imagine that there are many shots with a practical BB-8 in them, and there are other shots where he goes CG. Like, for this one, for instance, it could be a CG one. He's way in the background. He's blurry. Uh, yeah. Would yeah. they have bothered to try to get the droid? Like, I don't know how fast the toy one can move is what I'm getting at. It, uh, yeah. The one on stage did not move super fast. I will say the uh, interesting tidbits. Kathleen Kennedy mentioned that Robert Iger himself found this company apparently for them to buy. Well, and there was a story reported last October that Sphero uh, said it would be partnering with Disney's Star Wars franchise to make a new toy. So there you go. I wonder, yeah. There's the answer. And then it looks like there's there's like a ma- magnetic connection for the, for the yeah, head unit. For the head. Yeah, electromagnets. Yeah. Although it does, yeah, it does move a lot slower on stage, and you can tell like it, it it rolled around pretty well, but every once in a while it looked like on the ver- like on the verge of just falling over. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. Uh, my theory on how it worked, uh, having seen the two second clip of the physical one rolling around on on Twitter, uh, was that it's not involving magnets. That basically the thing on top is on top of a bunch of wheels that that can roll in various directions, mm-hmm. and basically the ball on the bottom is easy to make a ball that's self propelled. Right, we know how to do that with internal, you know, motors and weights and stuff. And then the thing on top simply 
races to stay atop the ball well, by sensing be. which direction the ball is moving and correcting for it. And so that puts a limiter on the speed because if you suddenly make the ball start to move very quickly and the head can't react fast enough, the head will go toppling off. Like that it's not actually connected. There are no magnets holding it on. The only thing holding it on is gravity and the little tiny wheels and motors that keep it atop the thing. Yeah, based on what cable, because I was following that thread as well, um, I think the the original MIT project that cable found was using electromagnets and basically a balancing rod inside the actual uh the actual ball um so i i I don't know i i tend to believe that it is at least magnetic in nature based on what the based on the footage i saw of it rolling around on stage well the problem with the thing that with the magnets is like i i mean i i guess if you had just the, the shell of the ball rotating but the internal magnet always stays pointed straight up no matter how the ball rolls you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. what is yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm trying to think of what's... I'm thinking of it the way that, you know, like, when you're a kid, you play with, like, magnet shavings, and you put the magnet underneath the paper, and as mm-hmm. you move the paper from side to side, the magnet shavings move from side to side. I have to assume that they have a magnet, like, on a tray of some kind, and then the tray is robot robotically controlled. So the basically the idea being that as they, they tell the tray to go left, the magnet goes left, and then the, the ball head rotates left. Yeah. And so, and such are. I'm, I'm trying to think of like what's economical to build as a toy, uh, and uh-huh. like the, the thing that makes it, uh, you know, electromagnets that that's power and everything. But on the other hand, to do it the way I describe requires fairly fast and sophisticated computers to react to the ball. So maybe that would only be practical for the actual prop. So yeah, anyway, we, we will all get these toys and find and, and immediately disassemble <laughs> yeah. them and find out. Well, yeah, many BB-8s died to bring us this information. Droid. But no, I really like. T- Toys aside, uh, I do want a BB-8, but um, I really love the design of this droid. I know a lot of people made fun of him for being a little bit of a soccer ball in the first in the first trailer, uh, but I especially watching him on the on the keynote today and watching the second trailer. It's such a different like we've we've seen Astromax and we've gotten so used to Astromax and we've gotten so used to protocol droids. Um, that this is a very different, it's a very different type of movement. And they seem to have discovered that, you know, even with a circular, with a circular droid, you can still do the same kind of expressive movement and maybe even more so that, than we were able to do with uh, R2 and with C3PO and mm-hmm. all of the other models. And I'm there, you know, there are a couple shots here and there, which I guess we'll talk to when we get there, but it, it really, it really feels like they've managed to give BB-8 a personality of his own without, having to make him an R2 stand-in um, and without having, you know, while he's not replacing the droids we know and love, he's his own, he's his own creature. And I think, uh, I think he's going to be a, a fan favorite pretty close, pretty quickly. He's already kind of wedged his way into my heart. He's a scrappier droid for a time when there is less, you know, there's less organization, it seems like. Even, you know, mm-hmm. you had all well, the rebels were, were scrappy and the Empire was very organized, but still the rebels had some, you know, they had a thing going. Whereas this, we keep seeing these individual characters running away from explosions and generally, like, they don't look organized. And they would have this droid because, like, this is their little personal droid and he goes around with them. And it is a much <laughs> more sort of ragtag bunch of individuals yeah. trying to make their way in the world. Then they, they don't look like they're part of any organized resistance or anything. Right, well, and it actually, goes to the same point about John Boyega again, once like not sort of being on top of things. My main question about BB-8 is what is his actual droid functionality? Like, what was he built for? 
Is he a soccer. is he a giant SSD? <laughs> like he's a yeah, soccer so- referee. Soccer is the answer. Yeah. No. Don't kick him. Don't kick the referee. Um. So uh, there's a qu- quick cut from this or a fade, and then we cut to uh the, our our villain again who who's this is ren is this is your na- again? same guy ren this is your namesake i know kylo ren kylo ren the bad guy yes it's the same guy with uh with his, with that mask and the and that and that uh God, that, that lightsaber and in the so back- anybody played kodor knights of the old republic yes yep. yeah i don't i don't know i don't know how much of that we want to get into if anything I don't know anything about that game, but I I didn't finish it. I will just say that the mask is very interesting. It's very, yeah, it looks a lot like a lot of the, there have been a number of video games with sort of dark Jedi, Sith, what have you in them, and they almost invariably seem to have something creepy going on in the face region. Well, I mean, Darth Vader, you know, had a mask, right? It started that. It was a trend. It was a trend. It was a fashion statement. What is it about Sith Lords and having an inability to breathe properly? Gosh. (laughs) allergies the dark side of the force makes you very susceptible to sunburn so you have to protect yourself with a dark cloak and a mask there there are um so here we've got people that look like prisoners or refugees or something being held at gunpoint by some stormtroopers in the background there are various fires going on including more embers and we have kylo ren our villain spin around with his lightsaber and reach out with a grasping hand right like like he they were supposed to be attending to these prisoners slash refugees slash whatever, and suddenly he notices there's something coming from the direction that the camera is coming from, and he turns around quickly and with his lightsaber up and with his little force hand poking out, and and the, the, the it, it actually is the camera is the problem. Exactly. Like, Wait, yeah. we're being filmed. What is it? The office? <laughs> no autographs. No autographs. Sorry. I uh, no. It's uh, it's a ball or or is it a droid? I can't tell. Please do not pet my Sith. He is a working Sith. I love the new Empire logo. I don't obviously. I don't know if it's the Empire, but the uh, the logo's been changed in some interesting ways. Yeah, they hired a design firm to try to freshen it. Yeah. So in the next in the next shot, whatever is left of the Empire, and and I think so. This the next shot has a whole bunch of stormtroopers, a, a, a like a big podium above with a whole bunch with of a, people on it, including some one dude, some yeah, dude wearing black very, in the front, uh, and this red, and this red, and they're on an ice icy location. Or just yeah, in the mountains. Hard, hard to say. I see snowy location, and and a uh, there's a red banner with this black uh, symbol on it, that is almost the um, symbol of uh, of Greendale Community College from uh, Community, <laughs> but not quite. In, Very in close. the background, right in the middle of the river, there's a snowtrooper too. You can just see him. He's wearing. He's got a little skirt and oh yeah, back. There is a snowtrooper back there, in the, all the way in the back. You're right. Good spot, yeah, Dan. you got turbo lasers on the side there from A New Hope. And you got the new stormtrooper design, which is interesting in that, like, that it is, it almost it starts circling back to the prequel trooper design because it's smoothed mm-hmm. over. It is less tubular and less lumpy and more sort of like, it's, I mean, you try to map to like the technology looking different for a purpose, but this almost looks like, they restyled it like when you restyle a car for the new model year. Yeah, new empire, new restyling rules. it to yeah to touch on old old styles. They do look kind of duck faced, but I kind of enjoy yeah. that. <laughs> Smooth is in this spring. Yeah, the empire. But the, actually, it's a little weird because the rest of the the rest of the universe feels so as you were describing before, like broken and lived in. Whereas I feel like with this. Um, 
the stormtrooper uniforms feel very new mm-hmm. and very shiny. Yeah, that, that's the aesthetic they're clearly going for with for the for the evil guys. Later, we see another black shiny guy. Their guns are shiny. Their outfits are shiny. They are shiny. Um, I mean, even even the the, the strangely colored tie fighter is shinier than normal. Like yeah, they're still in panels. they're still in this big hunk of junk thing with old looking turbo lasers and some snow. But th- they themselves are trying to look as prim and proper and, and shiny yeah. as possible. And and a tip for the empire really don't have any kind of meetings with the giant red banner behind you because it totally looks <laughs> nazi-ish yeah well very they, hard to pull that off and still be a good guy that's what they're going for i i, yeah. I like the implication here that th- this is the thread in the movie is that the empire has got new stuff they're back this whatever this is a new empire splinter group trying to come back are they the they're rebels now back, you might say but they they might be striking back and and they they've bought some new armor and they've got a new don't flag worry, guys. the force is awakening yeah so that that uh, that's that. But I, I I that is intriguing, right? Because um, that is one of the questions. Like, oh, I thought we beat the empire, but nope, nope. There's stormtroopers, and there's like they got a meeting, and they someone's going to give a speech, and uh, that's not good, right? Stormtroopers anonymous. Yeah. yeah, they got they got new ships and everything. Yeah, we'll see that in a second. No good. Uh, we dissolve to a shot of uh, I guess that's is that Daisy Ridley again? I believe it is. Yeah. Yep. And she's looking up, and that's really all that happens in that shot is that she looks up. It's nice lighting. She's very pretty. That's what happens in that shot. Yeah, she's not She's not um, drinking blue she, milk or anything. She's also sweaty and dirty. Yeah, yep. Uh, and sh- she looks up perhaps to see two TIE fighters swooping <laughs> downward. Different scene. Through the through the the clouds, totally different scene. But there's trailer logic, right? The trailer logic is she looks up and the Tie Fighters come down, even right. though it's totally not connected. And one of them goes through a cloud because they're showing off. Of course, yeah. Because yeah. Tie Fighters. Because Tie Fighters. It could be embers from a bonfire. We don't know. They, the Tie Fighters look scrappier too. Like I don't know if it's the same model proportions. They look thinner and spindlier in the same way that the new X wings look a little bit like that. The wind, the wings are thinned out, and of course they're reverse color. It makes it, it gives these sort of same ships, X wings and Tie Fighters, a very different look, even though they they vary only in small ways. Uh-huh. Um. Then then things get really interesting. So the next scene is as a, a longer scene, and it and it, it's on a. On a spaceship, perhaps a, a star destroyer, there is a open to space with a magnetic barrier behind at the far end of this bay. There are a whole bunch of Tie Fighters lined up, and then there are stormtroopers that are shooting at a Tie Fighter that is taking off. Perhaps whoever is t- taking this Tie Fighter is doing so in an unauthorized fashion, and it's firing back at these uh, at the other Tie Fighters and the stormtroopers that are hey, in at the least bay. one stormtrooper goes flying like yep. upside down. <laughs> yep. They're making their escape in this TIE fighter. It's what it looks like. They got they commandeered a TIE fighter in 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 the fighter bay, and they're shooting their way out. Yeah, and there's another. You can just see the back of another ship with like four like diagonal engines, which I think we'll see in a subsequent shot. Yep, the scout, uh, the shuttlecraft or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Bad news for that guy. I don't think he's. I think he's going to need some serious physical therapy. That stormtrooper. We cut to another stormtrooper. Oh, but what's what's this? That stormtrooper takes off his helmet, and it is John Boyega. He's really sweaty and upset, and uh, 
shaky. Also, uh, so again, like trailer logic, we're meant to believe that's somehow connected to the previous scene. Right. Whereas it may or may not be. I will note that when you slow it down and see him take off his helmet, there's like a bloody handprint on it. Yeah, bloody or muddy or whatever. The point is his outfit is not shiny. Uh, it's a mess. It's like he's been down the garbage chute or something. The whole, the whole outfit is a mess. And he takes off the helmet. He's a mess underneath the helmet. That's why you don't wear white, guys. It shows all the dirt. Yep. Yep. Clearly. This is a design for a more orderly universe. And again, like the two times we've seen him in his Stormtrooper outfit, he has taken off his helmet and been exasperated below that helmet. So the question is, is he a Stormtrooper? Is he pretending to be a Stormtrooper? Is he in a somewhat unwilling Stormtrooper? Uh, is he a, a little short that, for a Stormtrooper? Yeah, hmm. A Stormtrooper that had a change of heart? A planted spy? Like, we don't know. He seems to be not very good at it because he's always very startled. And 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 not keeping his outfit clean and just all I mean, scuffed up. I that sounds like most stormtroopers we know, to be fair. They're not it's exactly good... very calm under pressure guys. That's why they don't shoot well. I really like the way that the TIE fighter kind of hovers off kilter on that deck. In fact, the whole shot, again, is kind of off kilter. The deck is slanted. You know, yeah, we get a lot of... shot, but the camera is tilted as it tracks along the... J.J. Yeah. Abrams style. Yep. Yep. The Dutch angle. Makes everything a little bit more confusing. Batman uh, did it first. And it's skewed. <laughs> um, so Boyega upset. And then the next shot, we have, a, we have a fade and a quick cut to outside outer space. There is that ship that we saw in the bay moving toward a Star Destroyer along with uh, three other models. So it's four models of, or four ships of the same model, along with one of those. Uh, it looks like a bird. One of those, yeah, things. ones with the it's tall. Like, it's a bird of prey upside down. One of one of those big wingy things is going toward it, and the star destroyer they're going towards is not a New Hope model star destroyer, but that's the one it's most similar yes. to. It, the bottom bit of it sticks out more than the top, and the bridge is set back a little bit. You can't tell like there's a bigger mound before the bridge, so it's like this is difficult to place in the timeline. Is this like just a leftover star destroyer from the uh-huh. uh, the Jedi, or is this like the new model, but it's not quite as fancy as the old ones were? It's hard to say. The the little shuttlecraft look a lot like prequel ships in the little stubby dorsal fin wing and the engines on an angle. Uh, and the bat wing thing looks like nothing we've seen before. Yeah, that's a weird looking. Well, it looks like a shuttle without the third. Without the third, third thing, on. yeah. But but it looks it, what it looks to me like is how they like to give in the prequels the Sith their own sort yeah. of signature ships. It's uh-huh. like a Sith yeah. signature ship. Perhaps our villains. Yeah. No. It to- it totally ran. ran uh, that yeah, I had the exact same thought you did, which it looks like one of the like one of those shuttles that got its top little uh, wing taken off. But it's got everything taken off. It's flat, and the bot. It's got two little engines, and it's flat. It's like it's it is. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot. You there. can't see the front of it, so it's hard to tell. But but anyway, the texture on it, the fact that it's all dark and craggy looking, or whatever, makes me think it's a bad guy custom bad guy ship which every bad every decent bad guy has to have it's like darth vader started it all with his little curvy uh little curvy tie fighter it's like god i want one of those gotta have your bespoke evil ship well well done so we dissolve to a chrome speaking stormtrooper well he's black in chrome we, he's got a cape though you don't let just anybody wear a cape right you might get caught in things cape. red and that red and black not, cape yeah that is not regulation people it's got a rifle yeah and, and he's standing in front of our little capsule shaped lights from a new hope sort of death star kind of lights but then also there's yeah. rocks to the left yeah which is weird and some lights that look very 1970s on the right there too i'm just saying that uh this stormtrooper is significantly taller yes. in addition to being that uh you know shiny black 
Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is Gwendolyn Christie's character. Could be. Because, come on, that would be awesome. Because she's very, she would have a fashionable cape like that, you think? Of course. <laughs> it could be. But specifically, yeah. I really, like, I, I adore Gwendolyn Christie, and I have no idea who she's playing in this movie, other than that she's cast in this movie. Um, but I'm kind of hoping that she's playing a bad guy or, like, a lieutenant, because she plays, you know, she plays conflicted good person so well on Game of Thrones that I feel like she really could sink her teeth into scary, scary, bad, uh, bad lieutenant. Also, with, you know, when we're lacking a Mara Jade-type character, uh, thanks to the EU being destroyed, I kind of want to, I would love to see what an evil, you know, not, or not even maybe evil, but, like, what somebody who's working for the Empire, who's, you know, female and also a badass, would look like. Time to take a brief break and tell you about one of our sponsors. It's Squarespace. You know, building a website can be difficult, even if you do know your way around HTML and CSS. Creating something that looks good and works well is time-consuming, and it's just hard because you've got to know the code, you've got to know the style sheets, and you've got to have an eye for design. Whether it's for a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, or anything else, these days you need a website, and Squarespace is here to make it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, beautiful website templates for you to work with. Not only that, those templates are part of Squarespace's responsive design. That means your website scales to look great on any device, phones, giant computers with huge monitors, doesn't matter. The hassles of making a website on your own are minimized with the responsive design, and that is Squarespace in a nutshell. Every website you build comes with a free online store. If you need to sell something, just need something minimalistic but powerful, the cover page feature will let you set up a beautiful single-page online presence in minutes. It used to be really hard to make websites. You had to, you know, log into servers and FTP up files and have apps that ran on your computer that you let you build the pages. And it's just not true anymore. You cannot beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. There's 24-7 online support and a beautiful website can be yours for only eight dollars a month. You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for an entire year. So what are you waiting for? Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code incomparable to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the incomparable. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of the incomparable. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Wait, this is the which actor? I don't know actors' names. Which actor on on Game Wendell of Thrones? Brienne. 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 Ah, yes, yeah. tall, big. So I was gonna. I was looking at the shape of like, does this look like a woman? My main impression, seeing this for the seven frames, this person walks towards us. <laughs> is this person is walking with swagger? Like this person is is a confident, confident in their abilities kind of bad guy. I mean, yes, there's the cape. Yes, there's the shininess. But the way this person walks is with attitude and with purpose. Mm-hmm. Sort of the opposite of how John Boyega works. Sorry, I walk. <laughs> so, what yeah. would be the rationale behind so, having a shiny stormtrooper uniform? Is this like special forces elite stormtrooper? Yeah, yeah it's like, it's like well, you got to be again to to get the cape and the shiny outfit. I feel like you need to be pretty badass. Yeah, nothing says badass like a cape. Yeah, well, the, the shininess and the smoothness is the style aesthetic, but like this is still functional. The only thing that's not quite functional that looks more ceremonial is the cape part of it but everything else like having the color coordinated weapons with matches your belt matches your shoulder pads it is 
it's like a dress it's, it's like a dress uniform somebody pointed out that this isn't chrome it's space gray yeah. <laughs> or space black or sp- uh, it does whatever. it does look like shiny black there are yeah. chrome bits but then the, like i think the main helmet or it's more like the mac pro which jason has seen and perhaps no yeah one that's true the mac pro of stormtroopers star gray uh dissolve 2 uh bb8 leaning Where is bb8 hmm. leaning out into a corridor to peek. Boy, I recognize those corridors. Yes. Those corridors look familiar. Hmm. <laughs> Very familiar. And delightful. Could that be the Millennium Falcon? I mean, there are a lot of ships. A lot of, you know, Corellian ships that, that have similar interiors. But yeah, it's looking pretty falconish. But that's all we all we see fade away as it's peaking. What, what does BB-8 see? We don't know. It's fading out before we can tell. But it does do a, little, a beautiful little poke around the corner. I, I do love that, yeah. That, that's a really nice... There's a personality. That's good personality work there. And that's an easier move for him to do than R2, because R2, whenever they had to have him peak, you'd have to tilt his entire cylindrical yeah. body and then try not to think about what his other yeah. foot is doing. They talked very specifically about how, how they considered um, the, the, the two people, I think, who controlled BB-8... Uh, remotely, I mean, they 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 talked about them performing him very much like a puppeteer would perform something. So right. you know, I think th- I think that was the consideration here is that there is you know this is a performance by a couple of people of getting this droid body to do what it does. So that's, absolutely, it's a cute shot. I like it a lot. A lot of personality in those eight frames. Uh, fade in on uh, we got uh, Daisy Ridley again with her uh, Tatooineish outfit. Um, she's looking off screen at. Perhaps John Boyega, who is super sweaty, and there's like on the uh, ground, covered with dirt, covered with dirt and sweat, and there's sort of smoky stuff happening in the background. And she offers him her hand. Come with me if you want to live. Yep, that's right. And he <laughs> looks at it like um, and then he looks at her and says okay, and yeah. uh, and reaches up and and grabs her arm, and uh, she helps pull him up. Here goes nothing. Yep, that's. I, I get the sense that this is a, a a momentous moment, right? It's a big moment in the story that this is. Uh, He's deciding to help him. Yep, that's right. It's like, hey, the, these two characters are uh, gonna are gonna get the gang together, gonna yeah. meet and help each other out. That's right. Again, again, John Boyega looking kind of uh, lost, super unkempt and unhappy. Yep. Yeah. Mouth open. <laughs> sweaty. Once again, this guy, yeah, he is. This is you get the sense that John Boyega is going to. Well, in that in the first trailer where we saw him pop up in the desert, right? Uh, This I suspect this is all part of the same extremely bad day that he has. John Boyega's very bad day. Start the day. No good. Very bad. Horrible. Start the day with a clean stormtrooper uniform, nice and shiny and white, and you end up like in the sand somewhere, all sweaty. And something looks like it's been destroyed by bombs. Like the buildings are all a mess behind him. It looks like a battle has taken place here. Go back to my original theory, where John Boyega is the C three PO of this (laughs) this trilogy. He's the tin dog. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's. I think he's a key. I think the dynamic is going to be amusingly different here, where we where we get the two of these characters uh, teaming up. But uh, we'll oh, see. Oh yeah. Oh, I think he's going to be a major character. I just mean in terms of his, uh, in terms of his lo- like look on life. He's going to com- be complaining. Like might- He'll be the one who tells you the odds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Boyega will tell us the odds. <laughs> and in whatever his, do we know what his character name is? We do, don't we? We do. Finn. Uh, Finn. Okay. Uh, next shot. Okay, here we go. Next shot. 
deserty landscape. I believe perhaps this is the chase between the Millennium Falcon and the TIE Fighters that we saw uh, another part of in Indeed. the other trailer. Unless uh, there's more than one. Unless there's more than one. The Millennium Falcon is being chased by a TIE fighter. The TIE fighter is shooting at it. It is making a turn over the sand so close, in fact, that it appears to push through the sand and uh, yeah, why not? and fly past the camera. Because why not? Sand, you can just push sand out of the way. Sand, sand a lot camera, of momentum yeah. built up there. Yeah, they're going fast. They blow blow through that sand, fly past the camera, and cut to... Well, they into an engine. Into the engine of a crashed Star Destroyer on you this world. Tell. You can't tell if that's a Star Destroyer, or at least I can't tell. if it's. Just, first of all, it doesn't look like it's the same one we saw before because it's in a different so? angle. And Wrong angle. The, yeah, yeah, maybe so. And there's no bridge. There's no bridge, but it does appear to be a cruiser of some oh, kind. It's a the large the, empire ship. And it has three large engines, as is the one to the left of it, apparently. Yeah. It could be a super star destroyer actually honestly yeah yeah i thought it was a super star destroyer that in the original shot actually and then we get a really good another jj abrams like pull in really fast yeah. on the action which is a very very jj abrams shot handheld handheld camera Battlestar galactica type movement exactly yeah. it's yeah. it's the Firefly, it's, yeah. it's the the handheld camera the cameraman realizes that he needs to get closer so he flips the zoom and we shoot in to see uh, the uh, the uh, Millennium Falcon sort of disappearing into the darkness of the uh, tube of the of the wrecked engine with the uh, Tie Fighter right behind it, and then quick cut okay. to Tie Fighter, Tie Fighter pilot. pilot with red stripes. Could this be the same scary chrome black stormtrooper we saw earlier? Maybe different mask. It looks like different mask. Well, absolutely, but maybe this is their pilot helmet. Yeah, yeah but anyway, it's black, black and shiny with chrome bits. It looks a lot like the old and Tie red. Fighter masks, but just again, once again, as with the stormtroopers, like it's got like a it's a novel take on it. And the red thing—that's that's your branding. Yeah, one hose. You only need one. They don't want the exhaust hose, uh, exhaust port, or something. So it it's it's flying, and then we we cut back outside, and we've got the Millennium Falcon. Uh, fleeing the shots of the TIE fighter uh, goes over a, uh, a little uh, bit of structure of the uh, uh, inside the, the Star Destroyer. The, the TIE fighter shot uh, explodes it. We fly into the explosion. Oh, God, no. Very, very Return of the Jedi like in that sort of going to, into the Death Star. Basically. Into the superstructure. Yeah. <laughs> so Maybe good. they knock off the radar again. Yeah. And and then uh, that's it. That's that's the end of the trailer. There's nothing else. Yeah, there's definitely not a final scene. <laughs> and then cut to black. And any thoughts about this? Uh, any more thoughts about this t- whole sequence of the Tie Fighter and the Millennium Falcon? It's really exciting. And I laughed at the callback, even if it's not the same Star Destroyer. The idea that hey, there's a Star Destroyer. What what if we flew into a crash Star Destroyer? <laughs> they'd be they'd be crazy to follow us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the be- the best thing about the Millennium Falcon is if any ship was going to decide that the main way that it would get itself out of jams is to fly through tight spaces don't take the one that's shaped like a gigantic pizza with stuff staying out like it is not that's well perfect. shaped that's it is not it's well narrow. shaped and it, it, but it can and like, spin it's aerodynamic it's wide but it's flat i know i know but like it it's what it would do is spaces. it would lure it would lure tie fighters into these tiny spaces and the tie fighter is smaller in every dimension than the ship and then just through sheer piloting skill and the luck of finding uh, crevices that are very long and skinny it would just go through like a line piece in tetris and just everything would blow up behind it and it causes shooting out the end like a well, yes, John, but think about how beautiful think about how utterly beautiful those uh those air fights are 
Well, that's why. That's why it's exciting because it is so yeah. improbable to see this ship go make these moves. And John, what you have missed. What you have missed is the hours they have spent painstakingly setting up courses that are specifically designed to facilitate the Millennium like Falcon. Crops, boy. So anyway, it, it goes to black. Nothing much else happens after that. Oh, wait a second. Uh, we we hear a voice that seems familiar say, Chewie, we're home as we fade up on Chewbacca and Han Solo. All I, of the tears. I think we've seen these people before. In this exact shot, if nothing else. And, and so Han seems very gravelly. Like Harrison Ford himself, the actor, is very gravelly in yeah. his old age, more so than Mark Hamill. And he sounds very gravelly here. And the reason they do it in black and you hear his voice, you're like, well, that's recognizably Harrison Ford's voice, right? And he's saying Chewie. It's recognizably Han Solo's voice. Yep. Uh, but they don't. They haven't shown you them yet. It's still black. And when they fade in on it, Chewie, and this is a question brought up on Twitter. Yes, more or less looks the same. And Jason yep. was asking, how old the Wookiees? How long do Wookiees live anyway? So Wikipedia says they live for they live for hundreds of years, hundreds hundreds of years and and therefore they're not like uh, guinea pigs or something. They live they live much longer <laughs> than people. Because uh, I had that first thought: is why why is Chewie not gray? And somebody said, well, he's not human. You know, maybe uh, they Wookiees don't turn gray. It's possible. My dog turned white, but my cat lived for twenty years and never turned white. Um, then again, right? If they're very long lived, and then somebody else suggested he may use just for Wookiees. <laughs> yeah. And but it's he has a very thick glossy coat. He looks like himself. Maybe yeah. he's been taking care of himself and Harrison Ford is not. Well all I'm saying is that Lumpy didn't look like he was taking care of himself. <laughs> no, no. But so he must I, be very hundreds and hundreds of years old. <laughs> I, I wanna say a couple of things. One of which which is I'm glad that Harrison Ford is not you know not being uh, absurdly made up to like you know they're embracing his age, which I think is is smart. I think it's that's smart. the only way to only way to yeah. go here. He, looks he is good. not using just for men or right. just for he, scoundrels. He looks good for his age, but there's no question that he's that he's older. Well, he's, he's a got scruffy, the he's a scru- he's a scruffy looking nerf herder. Right, exactly. He's still true to that character, I think, which is fantastic. And I mean, he's still wonderful. Yeah, and I, I like that this shot deliberately echoes um, the the sort of classic shot of Han and Chewie standing shoulder to shoulder with the guns out. I didn't recognize realize until I think one of the uh, again when I watched it on the iPad that he Han Solo was pointing his gun. At, at the camera yeah it's kind of fades in because he's wearing a dark jacket there but they both got the guns up at the ready and there's the clearly yep. yeah and they're clearly standing the both bowcaster by the way looks like it might have gotten some modifications there with the yeah he got some new greebles but uh yeah but uh clearly standing on on the millennium falcon too yeah and so hans hans outfit is not the same outfit that we're used to yes. seeing him in but when you no. first see it it is it is black on white and yep. it it echoes the old outfit, but it is a different outfit, and it is dirty, and it is rumpled, and he hasn't done laundry in a while, and his it makes hair sense. is you know the same hairstyle as he's had, but it's kind of you know disheveled. It makes sense yeah. that he's had he's bought new clothes at some point in the last thirty years. Well, Orlando took all his other ones, so. Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I just you know Harrison Ford's been in a lot of stuff, and yet in this just moment, you're like, hey, it's Han Solo. Yeah. Like it's something about it. And like, so we knew in the first trailer, we said, okay, they didn't show any of the old actors. Obviously, they're saving them for later. And this one, they saved it. They didn't show anybody except for Han and Chewie. They saved it for the end. Uh, And, you know, so what? We knew they were in this movie. It's not a surprise. He looks like Han Solo. What's the big deal? And it caught me by surprise, the, the emotional impact of this final scene, because 
nothing happens, and the line he says is corny, and they're in the Millennium Falcon, which we are, or it looks like they're in the Millennium Falcon, which we already knew was in this movie because they keep showing it. Mm-hmm. So what's the, and Chewie looks the same. So what's the big deal? And I've been thinking about it. Like I've watched this trailer several times. Like I said, our first time that I watched it at work, I was like tearing up by the end of it. Now half of that is the music. Half of <laughs> yeah. that is the music. We, we, we should talk about that, the music, which we second. haven't talked yeah, about. Yeah, binary but, sunset. Right, but like they go through several of the more emotional themes of those movies. But when they brought this the scene in here, it's like. I don't know. It's like it's it's like mourning your youth while also revisiting it while saying that like this person and these people who met were so important to you, they're still alive. They still exist in this fictional universe, and here they are. You look at them, and you're it's like looking at yourself. Like I'm not the same person I was, but that's still Han Solo, right? But he's older. The Germans have a word for all of that. Just one word for all of the, everything. John I, just I'm, said. Sure, I'm sure they do, but like, but that's that's what it's like. It's it, it's. It's not going to have the same impact than anybody who didn't grow up with these characters because you're seeing them now. It was like 30 years later, and it's 30 years later for you, too. Or I don't know if I'm getting the number of years right, but it's just it's old Han Solo. But when you look at him, it's kind of like an old married couple. When they look at each other, they see each other as they were on their wedding day. I see Han Solo as he always was. And then for a second, I see Han Solo as he actually is, and then mm-hmm. as he was, then as he is. And the voice and him just saying the word chewy and chewy growling. Uh, it's surprising emotional impact, which probably makes no sense to anybody because it's not it's not on the page, it's not in the film. It is entirely historical context. But these these are these are pivotal characters that were a, a huge part of so many of our childhood, and um, we haven't seen them. If you if you were old enough to watch the movies when they came out, we haven't seen them for thirty two years. We haven't seen anything from Han Solo and Chewbacca. Well, yeah, okay, we haven't seen anything from Chewbacca, right? We're all agreed on that? Nope. Well, I don't consider prequels, even if we consider the prequels to have existed, but but he's nothing new. If he looks the same, it doesn't have the impact. And because he doesn't have a human emotive face, like he's got emotive body gestures, but the the facial prosthetics Uh, and Chewie have never actually his 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 dialogue is actually the thing that really got me is when he says it doesn't end on Han saying we're home, it ends on Chewie going. Yeah, well, well it's, also, Chewie, it's Chewie's relationship with Han that always yes. made Chewie interesting, right? You right. put Chewie with a bunch of Wookiees, and he's just a Wookiee. You put yeah. Chewie with the characters, and he's, you know, it's yeah. the same reason why R2 working off the characters makes R2 a better um, a better droid and more interesting on screen, is that these it's these people working together and their longstanding friendship that you can kind of see resonating off screen. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah, and and these two together because Chewie looks the same, but Han doesn't. Like that's that's going to be a big part of how they play in this movie because it's oh. like, hey, it's the Millennium Falcon looking more or less like it always did. Hey, it's Chewie looking more or less like it always did. But Han is not looking more or less like he always did. But he's back in those places with those people, and everything is a little bit more run down. But Chewie kind of looks the same. But the Falcon is the same. And the Falcon, like, I don't know. That Falcon in that last shot looks pretty beat up. Interior, well, it always, grimy. it always looks. I, beat oh up. yeah, but even more so, even more so. Well, the in, the yeah, the interior looks like it's yeah. a mess, and it could use a good scrubbing. Like that's kind of a mess yeah. too. But like, so, I, I am for, looking for, forward to the scene where they pull the sheet off the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that's a big sheet. <laughs> yeah. So, so for all the like for all the emotional impact of the scene, and like it. it I don't know if any part of this movie will have the impact that just seeing this one scene did because it was just such a shock to my system to see those characters and just like I don't know I don't know how to articulate why it is that like like I said when I watched it at work and I was tearing up right I watched it like five more times the same thing happens like magic at the end. It, doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense it's like 
you know it's coming what's the big deal and it's like your body's like nope this is happening just deal with it yep. and and so the the danger if or that is that like okay uh you know you can do that in a trailer trailers are relatively easy they're short or whatever at some point you have to make a movie and the danger is that in the movie they give han stupid things to say he does stupid things he does things that we think are not in keeping with his character uh, that the actor isn't up to the role anymore. So many things can go wrong with older actors reprising a role after this many years under new leadership. Like I'm fearful. Like how how terrible would I feel? Uh, would I feel if like kind of like how we were talking about how we felt about how Episode Three did terrible things to the character we thought of as Darth Vader, and he's not even like our favorite. Like he's the villain we're rooting against him. Terrible things could happen to our beloved characters in these movies, uh, and that danger is there. John, it can't be worse than Crystal Skull. That's true, but like somehow that bothered me less, mostly because Temple of Doom is kind of iffy too, and, and like I don't know, I care so much more about these. Like I feel like yeah. they had three yeah. solid movies where they did not set a foot particularly wrong with their core characters, and these actors are older, and like we were we're giving a lot. Like it, basically, what now realizing is that these people are holding our little you know emotional babies. Like they have they have our babies, right? They have all these characters that we love. Uh, in a way that the prequels did not. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, boy, just, like, don't mess this up, please. Especially since a lot of things I've seen Harrison Ford in recently. Not, not that I'm saying, like, he has a... It's, what what did this... Who said this? Uh, Gene Hackman, maybe? He was saying that when you reach a certain age, uh, you, uh, you know, someone's asking him, like, how do, how do you act with such gravitas? How do you become such a good actor? And he says, you re- reach a certain age that you just end up having a certain kind of poise that the rest of the world reads as confidence and good acting. But really what it is, is just like learning to settle down. Right. And Harrison Ford has that as well to the degree that sometimes in his later movies, you kind of felt like he was not into it, collecting a paycheck, phoning it in, not terribly, but just kind of like that he had settled. He had that poise so much that he poised himself right into a nap. Well, and he always seemed like he, you know, and it's tough because you also have to take a like his public persona sort of with a grain of salt, which is that he never really enjoys talking about Star Wars and he doesn't enjoy doing publicity in general. And he seems to have gotten very cranky. And so, like, in you know, being exposed to that, it's sometimes hard to be like, OK, is he actually having a good time here or is this just like, you know, an attempt at acting? Well, like, you know, he's in those Expendables movies and stuff like that, which right. I've never seen and I assume are terrible. And it's like he's not doing that for the love of the movie. He's doing it for a quick paycheck. It's an easy yeah. job. Right. And like you you want to believe that this is different, that this, he's not going to be that actor in this movie. Well, I have things that give me high hope. And one of those was um, despite how terrible Ender's Game was as a movie, I actually thought that his performance in there was was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. That is a highlight yeah. recently. It's a good yeah. performance. Well, highlight of that I like that yeah. movie actually quite a bit, but uh, it's it, he's good in it. Uh, I noticed him being good in it. Yes. At, at the very least, he's sure as hell not phoning it in. No. The other thing is that he's smiling in this trailer. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think I... Like, you think about Harris, you think about Han Solo smiling, and you think about the scoundrel, right? You think about the, like, it's the slight twinkle in the eye. and we, He has a literal twinkle in his eye. He's got it. He's got it. Yep. It's there. That's a lens flare. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you, there's also a blink and you miss it, like he nods kind of at the camera just before it fades to black. 
which is also kind of like a like a, there's a certain amount of self-assurance there, the cockiness. So that's a little bit of an Indiana Jones nod too. And I have to yeah. admit, as a kid, Indiana Jones and Han Solo blended in my mind sure. to such a degree that they might as well have been the same character, just in different timelines. Like Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford was essentially a character of my childhood, playing <laughs> those two roles, which had a hell of a lot of similarity. One like you know more mature and sophisticated. That would be Indio because he did things that were kind of more adult than Han Solo, but still a continuum of of scoundrels getting themselves out of scrapes, you know? So I think, I think if you're Harrison Ford too, uh, at this age, and, and, and this is the difference between him when he was doing the first set of Indiana Jones movies and, and the Star Wars uh, trilogy, uh, then, then he's like, look, I'm a working actor. I've got a long career ahead of me. I don't want to get asked about Han Solo and Indiana Jones all the time. I got other movies. Have you seen The Fugitive? Have you seen <laughs> Air Force One? Like the, yeah, when he was Jack, the Jack Ryan, a few of the Jack Ryan movies were yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. So, so now, now, look, you're Harrison Ford, and you're getting toward the end of your career, and you know that when you die – people are going to say Han Solo and Indiana Jones. This is an I Am Spock movie, huh? Yeah. So I feel I feel like he reached a point with the Indiana Jones movies and with Star Wars where he was like, sure. You know, like I like embraced embraced being in them now because he knows he's not he's never going to run uh, and pe- and that people love him. He's never going to run away from it and people love him for having those parts. So you might as well just kind of go with it. And and so I I'm encouraged by that. I do however, here's my theory cuz is uh you know, Chewie we're home and they've got their guns out. I assume the next shot is an over the shoulder shot reverse angle of Lando wearing like his underpants <laughs> and reading a newspaper being like, Oh still, geez, I was going to give it back to you. Still wearing his vest and yeah. the vest. Uh, yeah. I was hoping that the Chewie were home is kind of like more of like a honey. We're home thing. Chewie we're home. <laughs> yeah, they're clearly looking at this. this is like them d- rediscovering the Falcon and, yep. you know, coming on board think that with their guns out so they thought maybe they'd had to take the ship or you know they didn't know who would be there but now they come in and they're home i think that the heartening thing here is also you know we don't know what the status of say han and leia's relationship is over the last 30 years they could be together they could not be together you think if they were together his clothes would be a little <laughs> bit nicer looking because she would not want to be seen with that kind of a, a scoundrel like but, you have some standards get yourself together i'm i'm, but, I'm a princess Despite that, the reassurance that Han and Chewie are still together after 30 years. Well, is they're, out, they're the actual married more. couple. Right, but. exactly. So that I think that it's it's comforting, as we were talking about earlier, in terms of relating it to where we left these characters. It's comforting to know that certain things are constant. Yeah. Yeah, Le- Leia kicked him out, but, you know, Chewie was always with him. Like, well, it's just the two <laughs> of us kicking around there. the galaxy again. Sitting, sitting in recliners, smoking cigars. Yep. I mean, and, and with them saying they're home, it's like, well, that where have you been before yeah. that you right. were not home? That, you know, it's been a long stretch here. And during that entire time, you weren't home or you weren't on the Falcon. I mean, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? What are you doing? Playing golf? Mm. December. <laughs> that's the last. That's the last thing. December in 3D. Ugh. Yeah, I, I saw that 3D and IMAX. I'm like, boy, I just whatever. I wonder if they shot in 3D or if it was like um, like Star Trek Into Darkness where they did a conversion after yeah. the fact. I hope if it's going to be shown in 3D that it was shot in and not. I don't know. J.J. Abrams, I think, likes to likes to shoot. With... I, don't, I don't think yeah. he shot in 3D. Yeah, because it, it, so. it's a much more complicated rig to do a 3D shoot versus just doing a a, 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 a 3D conversion. Yeah, 3D at this point feels like something the studios make you do. To every movie, especially a tentpole movie, but it's like whatever. You know, uh, the effects will be real. The effects will be th- real 3D because those can be rendered with two cameras. But the actual live action shooting, if it's just shot with a single camera, they will do their conversion thing, which is kind of lame. 
So, you know. The chat room says they shot it in IMAX. Obviously, they're advertising 3D and IMAX. So IMAX is just the, the – is it the film format and the aspect ratio or just one or the other? Moises anyway. says they shot it on 35, as close to the stock as the original trilogy as possible, which I think – I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not sure if they shot it on IMAX. IMAX cameras – they might have shot some scenes on IMAX. I doubt they shot the whole film. Well, I mean, they, they advertise IMAX at the end of the trailer. So Yeah, but they, there are lots of IMAX. movies that are, that are not shot on IMAX that are shown on IMAX. Right, but sometimes you do the thing where it's like, well, we can show it on a regular screen, but if you watch it on IMAX for particular scenes, we change the You'll aspect ratio. You'll see certain things, yeah. Films partially in IMAX, unknown how much is what I see here. So, I don't know. This, right. is what, I mean, this is what Christopher Nolan did with the Dark Knight movies, is he shot some scenes in IMAX, right. and then uh, the rest we were in 35mm. Seems plausible. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to shoot, shoot this entire movie in IMAX, I feel like. It's kind of a bear. But I was going to say, before we finish, music. We should discuss music. Yes. Which is to say, though we get some very familiar themes here in several places, the opening sounds very much like some of the Cloud City music from Empire. I'm mm-hmm. going to say that this is pretty, as with the first trailer, that this is probably brand new John Williams music mm-hmm. deliberately designed for maybe this trailer or maybe it's cut from the film at large. But I guess at this point, it's probably still deliberately composed for the trailer. But we get, you know, a lot more, you know, the recognizable the force theme at the beginning there, which is a really nice touch. Um, but so it you know fades off and transitions into a different sort of music than we've heard really any place else before. So and I you know obviously hearkening back to the original themes is awesome. It's but it's super exciting to hear brand new John Williams Star Wars music, um, which I think we as we many of us agreed was the best part of the prequels. And they do a good job in this trailer. Like they know they have a few certain uh, emotional cues that we all know from the classic themes and they jam a lot of them into one trailer with transitions between them that they go smooth with that middle section that has the the new music the sort of new scary bad things are happening theme transitioning smoothly into the other themes that we know it's really good i can't wait to hear more john williams star wars music and i will not read the track listings ahead of time no don't do that (laughs) and and i know i know this is a common a common thing to do with teaser trailers in particular and now we've seen two of these, and they're leaning on it. And because we've gone through this, these frame by frame, it, it brings it to the fore all the more. A large percentage of both of these teasers are black screens. Yep. Right, because they just do not want to show you anything. They want the trailer to be trailer length, but it's like, how few frames of actual movie can we get in the trailer and still have it be trailer? They do have music to fill in the gaps or whatever, but it's like, okay, you get seven frames of a droid, three frames of the of the guy walking with, you know, it's like, you well, get and, almost and, nothing. You know, J.J. Abrams, I think, has said he really wants to maintain as much secrecy as possible, which he did it also during the panel today, trying to, like, you know, keeping a tight rein on what people could say. The advantage of Star Wars is that you can rely on the music. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of trailers to movies that you'd have to rely on, like pop music or something, right? Because the uh, scores don't often carry an entire trailer. Um, and we are very dialogue light. We have, besides Luke's voiceover, we have only the Han Solo line. Um, so, in, and that's kind of, once again, very close to what we had in the first trailer. So we've heard next to nothing of dialogue from yeah. this movie so and, far. And that was a that was also a tool employed by the prequels, where the, yes. the trailers had very little dialogue, because if we had heard any actual lines <laughs> from the movie, we would have seen what we were in for. They yep. had, you know, lots of reaction shots, lots of landscapes, lots of uh, ships and stuff, some lightsabers clashing, one or two small lines that are so small as to be completely innocuous. And it was like, boy, this movie looks great. And <laughs> this this is doing the same thing. Obviously, we expect the result to be very different in this case. But, it, you know, being that, that theme is uh, that it's using that same tools employed. And, and uh, for the music in that the scary music middle part, 
that transitions to the I don't know. Dan will know that the track the, the 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 final bit that's like the pre credits music in some of the movies. Mm-hmm. There is a middle theme there that I know it's you know it's Williams and not uh, you know who who did the. Uh, Ones. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's got some notes in it where it's building up to that final theme that that is that is the first bits that I've heard that could stand out to me as the signature sort of little musical motif of this movie, different from th- any of the older movies as well. There's a little section in the middle there right be- right before the BB-8 pokes his head out where it transitions into the the more familiar music that middle section like when they're they're making the escape in the we assume in the tie fighter in the hangar bay that little music there i can see as being sort of a core theme for this movie we'll see uh what, what that's my question about this movie like when they have a dramatic scene or something happening will they have their own equivalents of the themes that we know or will they go back to the themes that we know and lean on them for the dramatic moments i think we'll have a little of both if the prequels are any indications because the prequel did a good job uh, i'll hardly ever say that but the prequel music did a good job of actually creating new themes that and meshing them with the themes that we already knew um, but establishing motifs that carried over the course of three movies so i think I would, you know, I think we'll see a mix of it, and I, I think we'll probably see the main theme. Obviously, is a big part of it. The force theme is a big part of it. But I wouldn't be surprised if the empire's got a whole new theme uh, to go with their new branding. Uh, and there's well, they, yeah, they did have a whole logo redesign and outfit yeah, redesign. Yeah, exactly. So, they, so you get, get you get new work. theme music, buy new theme music. Yeah. You know, while you're spending the money. Although you got to go to the people. And it's like, look, we know it's going to be hard to top the Imperial March, but we have a lot of money, so do what you can. <laughs> yeah, like that's another question about this movie. Is and another thing that didn't feel as Star Wars y because again, watching the original movies, you just realize how those movies are practically music videos. There's just constantly music, big music, big music that is like, you know, they have those things where you watch Star Wars without the music, and like it just it seems like it, it's like one eighth of the movie that it was. Like the the music is so dominant in in a way that it is not in modern movies. In modern movies, yeah. there's tons of sections that have no music. Sometimes there's barely any music at all, or if there is, it's just like percussion or like it just. The Star Wars movies is just constantly music uh, in any when any kind of like the music is half of the movie and uh-huh. that is not the style of for example the J.J. Abrams Star Trek because that's not a Star Trek shot but when you do a Star Wars movie I think the thing is they have this great music we hear enough of it in the trailer they need to just lay that under just everything you know every every scene that you would expect to have music needs to be there and the music needs to be as big an actor in the movie as it was in the original trilogy because again like watch you know, the, the asteroid chase scene in Empire with no music. You're like, now it's just a bunch of potatoes on strings again. Like, <laughs> you know, it is it is not the same scene. So I'm looking forward to that, and I really hope that the music is really just under everything in this movie. I want it to be like a, a big, glorious music video in space. Yay. Yay. Well, okay. Yay. There you go, everybody. 90 minutes talking about <laughs> 1 minute and 42 seconds of trailer. <laughs> Boy, this last final podcast is going to be a, a long one. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think in December, The Incomparable is just going to start a telethon where we broadcast thoughts about Star Wars uh, throughout the, the yeah for like two weeks straight without a break. Just endless aspects of Star Wars. Maybe we'll start a spinoff podcast for those two weeks where it's just all Star Wars all the time. I don't know how we're going to deal with it. I'm kind of just not even worried about it right now. 
if you can get us screeners, then we can go through them frame by frame because we're going to see them in the theater multiple times, but then we're just going to be going based on our memories. It would really be helpful if we could go through the movie a frame at a time. Yeah, then we could yeah. do the then we could do the Star Wars minute. Uh. Exactly. Although at this rate, our minutes would t- it would be ninety minutes each. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, that that's like how the Flophouse does a bad movie and they're done in forty minutes with a whole bunch of extra stuff. We do a bad movie and it's two hours long nope. because we're that's exhaustive. Us. We yeah, we're exhausting. And and exhaustive and everything else. All right, but we've done it. We've broken it down. I'm very excited about this. Everybody always says, oh, well, you know, we were excited about the prequels. Yeah, shut up. I'm excited <laughs> about this. Leave me be. Uh, I would like to thank my guests for breaking down uh, teaser trailer two. So promise of new trailers to come for more, even more analysis. Uh, Dan Morin, live from Southern California at the Star Wars Celebration. Our man on the scene, on assignment for the incomparable. Sure, right. Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad you could uh, join us and take time out of your uh, trip to do so. Jason, we're home. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Serenity Caldwell, live from a car or something. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, thank you for joining us uh, from your mobile studio. How about that? How does that sound? <laughs> was that a Wookiee or a or a? Or a, a that, was, that was an attempt at a BB-8. Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, TV and John <laughs> and John Syracuse. Uh, thank you, as always, from your home, <laughs> where you live, uh, for breaking down the 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 Star Wars trailer teaser trailer two with me yeah i was wondering at some point i might have to bail on these trailers if they start having more spoilers but so far so good so far so good Good job but not spoiling me with your teasers good job jj jj was wearing an apple watch today too there's a lot of criminology about that but that's another podcast (laughs) and so to everybody out there thank you for listening to this very special edition of the incomparable we'll be back with something a little more normal next week until then uh goodbye and may the force be with you right that's the right franchise right yeah 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 Boop 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 boop